going to try to preempt me, so I'm going to do it to him. Welcome to the There's your cue. Welcome to No Compromise Radio. Oh, well, that's about a 12-second intro, which I like. And by the way, you can tell if we have reruns because it's back to the old English beat songs. Right? So that's the rerun. That's Friday shows. Can you say English beat on the air? Uh, they used to be called The Beat in England, but there was an American band called The Beat. So when The Beat from England came over, they had to change their name to The English I Beat. I thought they should have just change the spelling to B-E-E-T. You know, oh, once in a while become, I'll become see the some, big vegetable. Once in a while I'll see on my social media scrolling through things, some Beatles stuff, behind the scenes Beatles, like Let It, Let it Be stuff, Hey Jude stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't know they could all play so many different instruments. Oh, well. Because I just think McCartney bass, but that's not true. Yeah, no, it's not true. You, you know what's funny? I was talking about things that you see. I just saw Ed Sheeran play Layla. You know, he goes, that was the song that got him into music. And uh, so he he just goes, here, you know, and he just starts playing. He goes, you know, I don't, I'm no Eric Clapton. And he just starts playing it. And I thought, okay, interesting. Maybe he is. Well, he's not. But, you know, when you're talking about instrument. Being able to play multiple instruments, I think most most people who write songs can do both a guitar and at least a little piano or, a, you know, piano and a little guitar, you know, they, because once you understand musical theory, then you just kind of adapt. And I once started a sermon by saying, today I'm going to teach you how to sing a song. And then, and then, <laughs> and then the whole <laughs> congregation reached for its earplugs. <laughs> I know the last point that the internet says about how to sing well is stay hydrated. Mm. I guess you have to keep keep the vocal cords lined with, mm. with moisture. All right. No comment. <clears throat> I have a deviated septum, and so I went in to talk to the surgeon about trying to fix it all. And they said, well, it's probably 50-50 uh, that it'll work. and <laughs> That you'll survive. Uh-huh. 50% that you'll have, you know, you're basically your right nostril breathable for most of the day and night because I have to do those strips at night to keep my nose open since I got hit with a baseball of all things. I hate baseball. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I hate baseball. I was pitching. I broke my thumb playing baseball. Yeah. I mean, what a sport. You'd think I'd get hurt playing basketball or football, but no, yeah. it was baseball. No, right. Anyway, they said, I said, what's the downside? What's the bad side of the 50-50? Well, you could have like a, de- a perforated septum and it would sound like when you talk, you'd whistle all the time. And I said, well, since I make my living speaking, uh, probably the best that I don't have to whistle every time. So I said, no. <laughs> To the surgeon. 50 50. <laughs> That's not good. If they were to say 90% chance of fixing. Yeah. Because I've had rhinoplasty in the past, so I guess there's only so much you could do before trouble comes. Today we're talking about parenting and maybe some things we did well by the grace of God and we did poorly by our own stupidity or we weren't Christians or whatever. And then grandparenting as well. Steve, last time we didn't elaborate very much on exasperating children. I think that was a big one for me. Maybe not being patient enough with the children or understanding their frame or how old they were, uh, kind of assuming, you know, they thought like I did. And so, well, that's, I think I, I regret maybe being a little too hard and having my face maybe not smiling when I would give correct commands, but just kind of from a, you know, who are you to mess with me kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's hard for me to remember, 
you know, exactly what I was like as a dad, um, you know, because I think our tendency, maybe not for everybody, but I think our tendency is to remember the good things and, and you know, some of the bad things, maybe not so, so much of the bad things. But I think, you know, if anything, I probably was not anywhere near as patient as I would have liked to have been, you know, um, yeah. I, I mean, things, I, I had a, I, I did not have a lot of self-restraint back then. I, I, I don't know why I want to laugh. I, I mean, the one, the one thing that's amazing to me, you know, now is to watch the way people parent and the way, you know, I mean, cursing is just like second nature. And I'm like, boy, oh boy, I just never, you know, if I w- ever would have cursed in front of my kids, I would have apologized even as an unbeliever. Right. I just would have thought I, I shouldn't be doing that. Right. Because um, I would have recognized the the wrong the wrongness in it, you know, the and not the sinfulness because I had no concept of, of that, but the wrongness of it. And and now I'm just like people. This is how they talk to their kids. And I'm like, are you kidding? I mean, just if they're upset or if they're happy, they just kind of let go with these profane it's Tourette's. They all have Tourette's. Oh, See, just, I remember when I said something bad, and I don't even remember what word I said. I would never say the F word when I was a kid, but I remember I swore. And then I remember tasting ivory soap. And my mom had to wash my mouth out with soap, and I just, that only needed to happen about one time. I, You know, I think, you know, it's funny because uh, there was a little issue in my family growing up, and that was that my brother actually liked soap. So... <laughs> No. Well, like flavored soap? No, just like, I mean, I, I think they, they got him one time like eating shaving cream and, you know, it was just like, he was a little goofy and you could tell <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, obviously. I, well, I mean, if you look at him now, you go, yeah, well, you could see where that all went. Um, so, uh, <laughs> love you, Raj. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, so mom, you know, she got really inventive after that and those were... Her inventions were most unfortunate. Let's talk about another thing regarding parenting. Uh, The error that some dads make with moms, of course, not talking about the proverbial birds and bees early enough. That is to say, in the old days, probably kids lived in a bubble and, you know, you could wait till they were, you know, just before puberty and talk to them. And now you're probably going to have to talk to them much sooner because everywhere you look, it's just sexploitation. What, what are your takes on that? Well, I mean, it's, it really has gotten to the point where if you don't tell your kids, they're going, they're going to find out, um, you know, and earlier than you think because of the Internet and everything else. I mean, there are... Um, you know, situations I'm aware of where, where kids have learned unbelievable things at very young ages and that, you know, they're not ready to handle it, but they have no grid whatsoever because their parents haven't prepared them for them. And But I would say, first of all, I would say as long as you can keep your kids off the Internet or segregated away from anything remotely sexual, and you're going to be disappointed when you find out how many different ways your kids will work to get around all the, you know, safeguards that you put up and whatever you think you can do. Somebody's already found some way around it and the neighborhood kids will tell them and the kids at church will tell them. And, you know, so long and short of it is 
uh, it's almost gotten to the point where I'm not going to set an age, but if you're, if you're waiting till 11, you're waiting too long. And if you're a dad and you're just waiting for your wife to do it, it's something that you should do. Of course, you, I mean, for us, I, I talk to the children, both boys and girls, and it would be separate, but Kim would be there. And then I would say to the girls, by the way, you can always ask me questions if you want, but you probably talk to your mom more about this subject, and that's fine. And just the parents leading it. And I think sometimes, maybe it was with my parents, it's uncomfortable to talk about sex with your children. It's it's a little awkward and embarrassing. And Therefore, some some men just don't want to do it. They're just, I, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'll let my wife do it. And so I just think parents don't make that mistake where you don't talk to your children about it. And as Pastor Steve just said, remind me of a Luke story. Luke said when somebody on the playground said, "Look, take a look at this with a cell phone, it was going to be porn. And, you know, I want to be, Steve, the one to teach my children about God's ordained view of sex what it's for, his good pleasure in marriage, um, loving one another, not taking or something, because then it leads in to me to talk to, to Luke about, well, the dangers of pornography. Mm. And Luke, don't we want to try to protect our sisters? Yes. Don't we try to protect our mother? Yes. Matter of fact, you can you can hit people if they're going to not do something nice to your mom, right? If, if they're going to, sorry, if, if they're going to try to hurt your mom, you can hit them. That's why you have fists and bigger shoulders, etc. But when we see people in need, we, we help them, especially women. And these girls on uh, the internet sites, they're not doing this for free. They don't do those things because they want to. It's heroin and and other things. And so when we see a woman in distress, we should say, I want to rescue them versus I want to use them. I want to have mm. those conversations with Luke. Yeah. Well, I mean, chivalry is uh, dead and buried in many parts of the United States as evidenced by that uh, former Marine who got, you know, charged for, for basically rescuing a woman who'd been socked in the face by some dude. You know, and you just think this is the world we live in, you know, where it's okay for boys to hit girls and, you know, I mean, crazy stuff that, that, you know, in when, when I was a kid, everybody would have condemned instantly. And now, you know, not so much, but, you know, getting back to the parenting thing, I, I think it's, I think it's good for parents to just resolve. This is the world we live in. Um, we, we have to stay ahead of the curve. We don't want our kids, we, we don't want to play catch up, you know, and if your kids, I'm not saying anything about, uh, the sinfulness or the lack of sinfulness about how you educate your kids. But if you're, if your children are in public school, well, then that just pushes it even further. You know, when you have public school teachers who think it's their job to teach about, uh, all manner of abominable sexual behavior starting at, even in kindergarten. Um, you know, Timmy has two daddies. You know, all these kind of, you know, books and everything that, that are getting given to kids now. You've got to start earlier and earlier explaining in an age-appropriate way. I hate that phrase. But you have to start talking to them earlier and earlier and earlier to combat what the, what the world is essentially trying to do, which is to get your kids ready for sex younger and younger and younger. Steve, we have homeschooled, we have private Christian schooled, we have public schooled, and when our children were in public school, I know Kim would meet with the English teacher and get all the books that they were going to read, and she'd read them all, 
right? Just to try to work through or say, you know, you can't read this section. And a lot of rape and suicide and cutting and all these things. I'm like, what is going on? What in the world? And I just, it's it's unconscionable. I get so angry, you know, when I see people saying that uh, there's book banning going on these days. And I'm like, really? What books are being banned? Because I've missed those acts of Congress that have banned books. And they're like, well, no, they're being removed from school. And I'm like, have you read them? You know, I mean, if you see even some of the graphic depictions in some of these books, well, congratulations, you've just seen pornography because that's what they're giving kids in school. And, you know, if those books get banned, I'm, you know, I'd say I'm okay with that. Totally. Well, I think, and this is probably diving into another subject that I don't know if we want to go into, but I think a lot of the trans stuff, you know what, children can decide uh, if they want to be a boy or a girl, and therefore at three or five or eight, they can decide and they can give their consent because what they're after is they're after with child uh, sex and what's stopping them will consent. And so if children can consent to have a double mastectomy, they can consent to have sex with adults. Yeah, don't be, don't be naive. I mean, this is, this is essentially preparing kids to be sexual objects. That's the end game. Yep. Mike Abendroth with Steve Cooley today on No Compromise Radio. We're talking at a high level here about, well, they can judge if it's high level or not, but <laughs> at a high altitude level. Well, I'd say it's rather rudimentary <laughs> myself. Of things we either did wrongly as parents or we did rightly or things we see in other people. Uh, what about Bible times? Uh, having Bible times and try to encourage parents. Maybe you don't do it every night, but four or five nights a week, three nights a week, just so that the children look back in life and say, yes, we, we sat around and learned the Bible and dad opened up the Bible. What are your thoughts about mistakes or good things that happen around family Bible time. Don't use Dake's mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Dake, if you don't know it, is a study Bible by, he's probably anti-Trinitarian and charismatic (laughs) or something. It's like a oneness Pentecostal type of thing. I just remember you talking about it. I don't don't know that I've ever... I used to have a Dake's study Bible. Somebody gave it to me and they're like, well, why don't you teach from this? I said... Let me count the ways. I already have an authoritative study Bible. Mm. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> the Abendroth, the No Compromise Study Bible. Um, I've, I've been in rooms where people have said there'll never be my name on a study Bible, and then there has been. So there, there never will be a study Bible with my name on it, unless my, I just write my name. The Haffenhorf Study Bible. Uh-huh. Uh, Family Bible times. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think, again, it gets back to, and I, I, I know I've talked about this before, but what I would do is... Um, if we were reading the Bible or if we were reading, like, if, if I just, like, grabbed concise theology or now that's a good question or something else and then went to the dinner table, you know, it just kind of depended on depending on how much time I had, how much time we had, you know, because various things going on. Sometimes somebody had to leave. Sometimes it was me. Um, and so what would I do? I'd sit down and we would talk about. Usually, if it, if it was the Bible, I'd, I'd still try to get to some doctrinal point um, where I could teach about that and talk about some important doctrine, and I would ask questions. And the way I would make sure, and I've, I think this is just basic common sense, if you know, you've got a span of ages, uh, you want to aim at the youngest one. 
to make sure that that one is understanding. I mean, within reason. If you've got a two-year-old at the table, obviously, you don't have to figure out if they if they understand what's going on. Um, My two-year-olds, they they knew Hebrew. I taught them Hebrew by two. Well, well. They never. That's, they understand. They didn't know what Masoretic texts was, but they knew Hebrew. That's very impressive. <laughs> very impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, because if I if I knew our youngest child is Megan, and I knew if Megan understood what we were doing or what I was saying, then Kristen and Steve Jr. would understand too. And so, you know, it was like, you know, I, I mean, I could I grill Steve Jr. Sure, you know, but um, and there were times I'm sure I did ask him a question just to make sure he was paying attention because <laughs> he was prone, you know, you know how boys are and they just think, oh, this is so easy or whatever. So I'd just kind of zing him once in a while and he'd go, oh, uh, uh, sorry, dad, I wasn't listening. So. Steve, I think you bring some good points up as we're sitting there teaching our children. Uh, I think my, my, my biggest problem early on was I thought I had to prepare a sermon to teach the children. Right. And I thought, you know what, this is, has to be another, I have to look at commentaries and everything else. I mean, if you're a dad and you say, I'm just going to go to Exodus and I'm going to read the study notes in my ESV study Bible, Reformation study Bible, whatever study Bible you use, and then I'm going to read Exodus 1 and I'm going to talk to the children afterwards about what can we learn about God and sin and why do we need a Savior? Then the next day, you say, what did we learn yesterday? Now let's read Exodus 2. It's not that hard. And hopefully then your wife will say, oh, I'm thankful that my husband's leading. He's got the Bible open. He's teaching. Steve, is there something else to be said, too, besides regular family Bible time? Uh, Deuteronomy 6, right after the Shema there, the hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. In other words, is there something more than just a formal Bible time, or should there be something more than that? Well, I mean, wouldn't you wouldn't you want in your household for there to be, you know, a fairly consistent, I want to say constant, but that's not realistic, fairly consistent kind of gospel tone to the to the conversations, wouldn't you like, you know, Jesus uh, to be mentioned positively, <laughs> right? Uh, frequently during the, the course of the day in your home. I mean, isn't that kind of, I mean, if, if people, you know, if you were on some reality show or whatever, wouldn't you want those people to say who are watching just go, man, they sure talk about Jesus a lot. You know, man, they sure pray a lot, man, they sure do this a lot. You know, I mean, isn't that, isn't that good? And is it just so that people observe us or just so? That, no, it's because that's to be the focus of our life, right? So so true. And how many times are there something that come up in life and then we can use the biblical theological truths to help understand that particular subject? So I just, I just randomly look at a proverb, proverb Proverbs 11. Verse 22, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. And so let's say you see somebody at the beach or whatever, and they're, they're dressed inappropriately, and, and you're thinking, you know what, this is just not right. Here's how we think about it. And so I'm all for formal Bible times when the dad opens up the Bible. For us, it was during dinner or after dinner. And then other times where you're just teaching the children about ants and laziness and work and industry through the lens of the Bible. Hmm. I mean, just, you know, basics about life. I mean, just just things like, you know, 
Why should you be prepared for to go to work or for job interviews or for whatever? You know, I mean, these are just things you're passing along wisdom, the, the lessons that you've learned in life and the biblical applications, you know, just kind of flow out of that too. You want to stand out at work, work hard. You know, you want your boss to be impressed, always tell the truth. I mean, you know, just basic things and you're, you're going to stand out, especially these, these days. Are, that's yeah. so true. All right. We're talking today on No Compromise Radio about parenting and what to do when it comes to parenting. Uh, what about the whole homeschool, public school, private school? Don't you think, Steve, eventually public school is going to be a non-option? It's not going to be an option for Christians? Well, we send our kids to school on the moon. So it's kind of, kind of hard to, we took it to a whole nother level. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, I mean, homeschooling has its own challenges. Some kids are just, uh, shall we say homeschool resistant, right? Um, public schools have their problems just because as we, as we were talking about earlier, the, I mean, when it, when I was in school, I mean, I'll admit it was a long time ago, but um, we would we would learn. Actually, I remember we had a sixth grade teacher who taught us Negro spirituals, you know, and so we were singing like Christian songs without understanding that they were Christian songs, you know, and just just different things like that. And I'm like, boy, I bet they wouldn't do that these days. I mean, I, th- this meme. I don't know if you've seen this. You know, imagine. Uh, you know, there's a teacher at school who's baptizing kids and keeping it a secret from the parents. The the outrage there would be, right? But now it's like, it's fine to uh-huh. tell your kids that they can be a different gender and keep that secret from the parents. When our children were at uh, the local high school here, they learned in one of their history lessons about Calvinism and its influence in New England. And I thought, that's more, and they had to learn the, the, the TULIP acronym about Calvinism. Oh, really? That's more and, than I would have learned. Right? And compared to the King James Fundamentalist School that we sent them to for a while, while they learned you know, some great things there, they, they would have never learned that. Right. And I think about my brother, Pat. If memory serves, Molly was trained as a teacher, was a teacher, then they had their children, and I think she's back into teaching now. Hmm. And so, if someone said, well, would you like to have Molly Abendroth, and I don't know what she teaches her age, as the fifth grade teacher, or would you rather have somebody at home who's basically not teaching their kids and it's basically self-school, you can just learn on your own at home, what would you rather have? And I'm thinking... I'd love to have Molly Abendroth as my children's teacher. So I don't want to just say dogmatically public school is always wrong and private school is sometimes okay and homeschool is the most righteous. Mm -hmm. I say whatever you want to do as a parent, that's on you. Well, what about Moses? He was homeschooled. (laughs) Was Was Jesus homeschooled? What would Jesus do? I don't, I'm pretty sure he didn't go to the local public school. <laughs> but seriously, I, I, I don't know if my grandchildren or great-grandchildren can make it through public school without, you know, just, this is just too crazy. It's, it's Teachers pretty, unions. It's and, pretty rough. Uh-huh. Or maybe, maybe in Montana or something. But here in Massachusetts? Probably not. I don't know. All right. How about training children? And they get a little bit older. What do you do, Steve, with, you know, you give them a little more rope and some more responsibilities and kind of test them a little bit and maybe driving. And 
How, how do we work from they're young and we just tell them what to do to now we kind of have to coach them a little bit from being the drill instructor slash parent who tells them the truth to I, I want to just have you own some of these truths. Any, any advice there? Well, I'm going to take it a slightly different direction than I normally would. I we were, My wife and I were just talking about when we came upon this idea of giving the girls a clothing allowance. And it was because, you know, clothes became this sort of wrestling match between us and the kids, you know, and uh, things that were appropriate, things that cost a ton of money, you know, whatever. So when we said, well, here, you can have this money. This is what you get to spend per month, you know, and you can spend it all on a pair of shoes. You could do this. You could do that. You could do whatever you want. But whatever you buy, that's what you're going to be wearing, and it better be appropriate, right? So what what winds up happening is now the kids have they, they have agency in this. And so one of them was like, well, I'm going to buy the clothes I want to wear, and if I only have you know, two sets of clothes, those are just the ones I want. And the other one was like, well, I just want to have every, you know, a ton of stuff. So I'll just go buy cheap clothes. Okay. You know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Okay. I like that. Well, Steve, today we talked a little bit about parenting. If you've got parenting questions, dear listener, you can always write us. I thought uh, stream of consciousness worked pretty well. Steve, I can ask you any question and you just know how to answer it. No, but I but I have an answer whether it's whether it's right or not. You know, <laughs> Mike Abendroth, Steve Cooley, No Compromise Radio. Thanks for listening.